0: If you would, take out your Bibles and turn with me to Mark's Gospel. We are here now at week number 19, I believe, in our series. As we turn to God's Word, let's turn to Him once again in prayer. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, may Your Word be our rule. May Your Holy Spirit be our teacher And may your greater glory be our supreme concern, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Indeed, as I mentioned, we're at week number 19 in Jesus according to the Bible, an exposition of the Gospel of Mark. Well, according to Sports Illustrated, it was voted as the greatest sports moment of the 20th century. Some of you were alive Some of you were not alive on February 22nd, 1980, the Winter Olympics in Lake Placid, New York, ice hockey, the United States versus the Soviet Union, amateurs and college athletes versus professionals, David, in other words, versus Goliath. ABC sportscaster Al Michaels delivered the famous call at the end of the game, and I remember it live. 11 seconds, you've got 10 seconds, the countdown going on right now. Morrow up to silk, five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes, was the answer. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. Well, in our three-week miniseries, Faith in the King, miracles. Miracles have been right at the center For the past two weeks, we've seen Jesus performing miracles as he demonstrates his authority over natural forces, seen in the calming of the storm, and his authority over supernatural forces, seen in the restoration of the demon-possessed man. Today in our passage, chapter 5, verses 21 through 43, we will see Jesus demonstrate his authority over disease and death seen in the healing of the woman and the raising to life of the young girl. Remember, in the parables that we saw, the call was to listen, to listen to God's word. Now, in our three-week miniseries, the call is to believe, to believe the word. The teaching, in other words, about the power of the word, despite apparent weakness, opposition, and delay, has been followed by demonstrations of the power of the word in such circumstances. So, Mark has been inviting us along the, these weeks to, to draw one conclusion about Jesus. Because, as we've been saying, there is confusion in our world today about who Jesus is, what he came to do, and how someone should respond to Jesus. There was confusion in the first century, there is confusion now. But Mark invites us to one conclusion He is the Messiah, He is God's Son, He is the King. Therefore, believe in him, trust his authority, and rest in his care. Last week, when we looked at the first 20 verses of chapter 5, we saw Jesus' power over the supernatural forces of Satan and evil. We saw the problem that the man faces, indeed the problem that all people face. We saw the miracle Jesus performs. And we saw the reaction people have to the person and work of Jesus. Mark, once again, is asking us to ask the question, Who is Jesus? Jesus is Lord over Satan. His work is one of mercy, we saw. And Jesus divides the world, and He unites the church. And last week ended with a choice. And the choice was this. Do you want to go with Jesus? Or do you want Jesus to go? People are still faced with that choice today. You may be faced with that kind of a decision today. Do you want to go with Jesus? Or do you want Jesus to go? To go away. To get out of your life. To quit disturbing the status quo of sin and sickness that you were used to. Today's passage is also found in Matthew 9 and Luke 8. But yet... Once again, Mark goes into great detail. And we move now into this final miracle, actually a combination of two miracles that will reveal once again that the word that has been declared to be powerful will be demonstrated as powerful. And once again, we see the scale of the problems is emphasized. There is an incurable disease and there is death. And what you will see in our passage is what's called a Markan sandwich. It's a picture within a picture. It's a split screen, as it were. In other words, Mark is relating these two stories and he wants them to serve as a commentary on the other. Well, Jesus has been at work on the sea and on the land, most recently on the eastern shore. But now he comes back to the western shore, to the land of Galilee. Join with me as I read Verses 21 through 43 of chapter 5. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. Today's passage, like our previous two, is about faith. And with every passage in Mark, it's about Jesus. And so what we will learn, what we will learn, what will we learn about faith and what will we learn about Jesus? Well, three things, I believe. First, Jesus will sometimes ignore your faith, or so it seems. Jesus will grow your faith and Jesus will test your faith. Well, let's look first at Jesus will sometimes ignore your faith, or so it seems. Primarily, we're looking at verses 21 through 24, a little bit of 35 and 36. It's the first part of Jesus' encounter with Jairus. Jairus is named, he's a ruler of the synagogue, he's presiding over the affairs. He's an important man, he's the president of the Jewish worshiping community. Well, what is his situation? His little daughter is gravely ill. One of the other gospel writers refers to her as his only daughter. She is ill. She's at the point of death. What does Jairus do? He falls at Jesus' feet and he implores him. He welcomes Jesus and he casts himself on the mercy of Jesus. Here we have at last a Jewish leader who in desperation sees that everything depends upon trusting himself to Jesus. Bearing in mind the possible consequences that will face him. Jairus here is demonstrating faith. It's not an issue of can you when it comes to Jesus, but it's the issue of will you. Jairus refers to the common practice of laying on hands and yet there's an unusual confidence there that if Jesus would just come, his daughter would be made well and live. In other words, that she would be saved. One commentator on this passage has written this, who worries about religious and political controversy when your only daughter is dying? When death comes nearer and nearer to us, it is a race against time. And all of us are in that race. Jesus listens to Jairus. He goes with him. Jesus is a man of compassion, a man of kindness. And yet we will see an unexpected delay from verses 25 to 36. It's the story in the middle. And picking back up in verse 35, we hear those words Your daughter is dead. She's no longer sick. She has come to the point of death. Now, with that news, what does Jesus say? Jesus doesn't just make a statement, he issues a command Do not fear, only believe. More about that in a moment. Here it appears that Jesus is ignoring Jairus' faith. That's what it looks like to Jairus. That's probably what it feels like. How about you? Right now, today, despite the faith that you know you have been given by God, do you feel like Jesus is ignoring you? He's gone on to other things He was with you, but then he has stopped and he's dealing with something else. Are you in a dark night of the soul right now where you could honestly say, yeah, Jesus is ignoring me despite the faith that I have. So we see that Jesus's journey to Jairus home is interrupted when Jesus is touched By a woman. Jesus does the unexpected. He stops. He stops and he seeks out the toucher. And talks to the woman. What is Jesus doing? He is ignoring Jairus' faith. Or at least that's how it looks. That's how it feels. He's showing the woman. He's showing Jairus. He's showing his disciples something. He's showing us something. In other words... He is growing their faith. Let's look now primarily at verses 25 through 34 where Jesus will grow your faith. And in his encounter with this woman, this unnamed woman, we will see three things. First, we see the long illness of the woman. Twelve years of physical distress and suffering, of social and religious isolation. She is unclean. She has exhausted all means of human help, medical, financial. She goes to the doctor and she's made worse. She's run out of money for 12 years. Nothing has changed. Actually, something has changed. It's gotten worse. It did not get better, but it grew worse under the care of physicians. Humans, humans, were no help, humans made it worse. My friends, our most fundamental problems and needs cannot be met by anything in the world. A Christian is someone who has come to see that all of the world's resources are utterly inadequate in the final sense. Only when we begin to see that nothing the world really, nothing in the world really finally satisfies at all. Only when we come to that point can we come to Christ with anything but the right attitude. In addition to seeing this long illness, we see this important decision the woman made in verses 27 through 29. She had heard the reports about Jesus. Like the demoniac, she had lost all hope in others, but she had heard of Jesus. And I guarantee there are people in Central Asia that Jason and his team will encounter who have found no hope, no hope in anything of this world. And yet they may have heard of Jesus. She had heard these reports. And she acted on what she had heard. She believed. She reached out and touched Jesus. She was healed immediately after 12 years of suffering. She touched Jesus. She reached out. Now to be sure, most commentators see a little bit of superstition in her faith. But who of us has perfect faith at the beginning or even at the end? it was weak faith but as we will see it had the one object that mattered she touches jesus she doesn't just stay near him she touches him and that my friends is a warning to all of us that we can be near the church we can be near the, the jesus we can be near we can be in leadership in the church but we've never as it were touched jesus Jesus has never touched us. We are living in proximity to Jesus. We're not, as it were, in union with Christ by faith. Third, not only do we see the long illness and the important decision, but we see this fourfold response of Jesus. Jesus gives instructions to the woman, but he's also teaching Jairus, who's right there, a lesson. Look at the knowledge that Jesus had. He knew power had left him. He asked a question, who touched my garments? Jesus here is a man. We we see divinity and humanity together. He knows power, divine power has left him. He wants to know who has touched him. And notice, did you notice the long look that the Lord Jesus gave? He looked around the gaze of Jesus, the eyes of Jesus. And then there's that statement he makes in verse 34. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Daughter, daughter, welcomed into the family of God. And this word for well expresses both a physical healing and a spiritual healing. It's expressing salvation. And so what does Jesus say about faith here in verse 34? It was not the touch of Jesus that brought healing, but rather it was the touch of faith. Weak faith can lay hold of a strong Christ. It's not mighty faith, but it's real faith. Children, this is for you, and you adults, feel free to listen in on. Imagine we're here in the wintertime, and there's a pond somewhere here in northern Kentucky. And that pond, you know, is one-fourth inch thick, but you believe it can hold you. Are you going to step out on that? But you're convinced, you're absolutely convinced that that one-quarter inch of ice is going to be able to support you. But what if that pond has four inches of ice? And you're not so sure, but you're like, you know, I hope that four inches of ice. You bet you're gonna go on that pond and not the other. It's the object of faith that matters. And here you see two steps, telling Jesus, telling Jesus what is the problem and then telling him all. The disciples in the boat realized that Jesus knew all. Notice it's not a hit and run. It's not drive by discipleship. It's not drive by evangelism. No, it is a touch and it is a stay. It's not a drive by touch and run. Interestingly, she tells Jesus what he already knows. She goes to him alone and she tells the truth about herself and indeed isn't that what we do? We go to Jesus and we tell the truth about ourselves. She comes in fear, she falls down before Jesus, but then she goes in peace. She comes in fear, she falls down at his feet in worship, in adoration, in recognition that he must be God. And she goes away in peace. And so now after Jesus' encounter with this once ill but now healed woman, he resumes his journey to Jairus' home. Only now it is too late. Or is it? It seemed as if Jairus' faith had been ignored. Yet through the healing of the woman, his faith has been grown. Now it will be tested. Because Jesus will test your faith. Verses 35 through 43. It's the second half of the encounter with Jairus. Notice. Daughter, daughter. Daughter, your faith has saved you. The next verse. That your daughter has died. A surprising delay. The ambulance on the way to the hospital has stopped. Medical malpractice. It's amazing that Jesus stopped because this woman was the older, ostracized woman with a serious but a chronic complaint. Jairus' daughter, on the other hand, was the young child of an influential man with an acute, life-threatening illness. In particular, notice that the woman had already been healed when Jesus stopped. Well, let's observe and take note of what Jesus is doing. We see the Lord Jesus encouraging faith in verses 35 and 36. Jairus could already believe in the difficult. Could he now believe in the impossible? I don't know about you all, but there is a big gap between the difficult and the impossible. Yes? Sometimes it's a gap that seems like that we can't jump. We can't bridge. Fear. Jesus says, do not Fear. Only believe. Fear. Fear what? Fear death. Fear what people may think about you for trusting in me. Fear of putting faith in something that looks already absolutely hopeless. Making a fool of yourself. Believe something or someone and keep on believing. If Jesus remains with you... There is no ground for fear, as we saw in the boat on the Sea of Galilee, when the disciples were with Jesus. Trust the person, Jesus is saying, not the circumstances. Faith is rooted and grounded in the person of Jesus. Jesus stresses that power depends not on Jesus' physical presence, but rather on faith. Jesus spends time with the woman not instead of attending to Jairus but for the sake of Jairus the disciples and us to help us believe even in the face of death. My friends, did you hear that? The delay was not instead of attending to Jairus and his ill daughter. It was, on, it was for the sake of that to help them Then, and us now, believe in the face of death. Jesus not only encourages faith, we see him concealing his glory. In verses 37 through 40, the Lord is in lowly service to those who need. There's the mourning of the people, there's the deep grief in the face of death, there's hopeless, there's mockery, and there's laughing. And the inner circle of disciples, Peter, James, and John, and the parents are brought in because the unbelieving crowd is a distraction. And Jesus is not out there to get recognition. He's not out there to become today's celebrity pastor. He takes a few in with him. And then he displays his victory as we see in verses 41 and 42. He talks about the girl being asleep. It's a metaphor used to describe death. And Jesus is saying, I will wake her up from her sleep. Only Elijah and Elisha in the Old Testament raise the dead. And they do it in response to prayer. Jesus heals with his word. Two Aramaic words. Little girl, most likely a term of endearment. Little lamb, honey wake up, it's time for school. What a gentle display of the glory of the Lord in His victory over death, the final enemy. Because we've seen the storms that can lead to death. We've seen the demons that lead to death. We've seen the disease that leads to death. And now we see death itself. And yet, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians that that last enemy has been overcome by Jesus. So in this twin account of disease and death, Mark has heightened the problems in order to show the greater might and power of Jesus. This episode has been all about faith and Jesus. Or more correctly, it's been about faith in Jesus. And we've learned that sometimes Jesus will ignore our faith. Or so it seems. He will grow our faith and He will test our faith. Well, let's end where we began. Back to the question. Do you believe in miracles? The question actually is not whether or not you believe in miracles. Rather, the question is, do you believe in Jesus? Jesus saw that question answered in the affirmative in the actions of the woman. And the question that Jesus is asking Jairus is not, do you believe in miracles? He is asking Jairus, do you believe in me? Do you believe me? You know, those of us who have been in this series in Mark, we know that it's a catechism of, quest, of sorts. And, and at the beginning, at the, right in the middle of Mark is the question, who do people say that I am? And the disciples answer. And then Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And the people answer. Uh, Peter, on behalf of the other disciples, answers. But here, there's a question, as it were, from the people. And we see that in John 6. What must we do to be doing the works of God? And you know what Jesus says when asked that question? Jesus says this, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Our faith must rest on him, not merely on our agenda for him or on him as we wished he would be. In other words, our faith is to be in Jesus according to the Bible, that Jesus. So Jesus is asking us, will you believe in me? Will you believe me despite your circumstances? In other words, will you trust me even when I am ignoring your faith? Or so it seems. Will you trust me in the midst of the often slow process of growing your faith? Will you trust me in the difficult and challenging times when I am testing your faith? We prayed earlier from James 1. count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. My friends, we are all facing death. Will it be fear or will it be faith? Remember the progression. Storm, possession by demons... Disease all lead to death. Death, the enemy, everyone, everywhere faces. Because we read in Hebrews, it is appointed once for man to die and after that comes judgment. But we heard in our New Testament reading the glorious truth that when it comes to death, which we all face, Jesus came on a mission to destroy And to deliver. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood. He himself likewise partook of the same things. That through death. He might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. And deliver. All those who through. Hear it? Fear of death. Were subject to lifelong slavery. In other words Jesus came to set us free. To deliver us. My friends, if you haven't realized it by now, the healing of the woman and the raising of the girl are pictures to help us understand salvation. Jesus knows what he is doing and he loves you completely. And his love is compatible with his delay. My friends, in knowing what we know about Jesus from his word... Why would we want to hurry someone like this? Let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, indeed, it's probably the cry of all of our hearts, I believe. Help my unbelief. Father, we thank you that when we run to Jesus, when we fall at His feet, acknowledging our sin and His righteousness, and His provision for our sin, O Father, He does not send us on our way without being changed. O Father, would You help us to not try to stand on our own feet when it comes to being with Jesus, but help us to fall to our knees before the One who saves us and the One who rules us for our glory for, for your glory and our good. Oh, Father, we thank you that Jesus came to destroy death and to deliver all those who, through fear of death, were, were held in lifelong slavery. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to rescue your people. For we pray in his name. Amen. Our hymn of response is found in hymns modern and ancient, the Black Hymnal. It's in Christ Alone, number 62. Let's stand and join our hearts and voices together, acknowledging that indeed it is in Christ alone that our hope is found.